This is the, we're about to start. Children, you are dismissed to your classrooms. As they make their way to their classrooms, if you do have a cell phone, please make sure they are turned off or on silent mode. I'm going to make sure that mine is too, because somebody texted me if my phone is off. Let me see who that is. Chris Brockway. <laughs> Uh, please uh, turn your Bibles over to the book of Malachi. We're going to be reading again from chapter 1, verses 6 to 9, and then we're going to jump to chapter 3, uh, verses 6 to 12. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. So if you know where the Old Testament is, that's your only clue you're going to get this evening. Let's begin reading. Well, after I read, I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord, and you will respond, thanks be to God. Is that okay? Okay. Is that okay? <laughs> okay, for five, five people, that's fine. We can start with you guys. All right. Um, Malachi 6, 1-9, breaking covenant through blemished sacrifices. A son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, where, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty. It is you, priests, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? By offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible when you offer blind animals. Is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now plead with God to be gracious to us with such offerings from your hands. Will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now jump to chapter 3, verses 6 to 9. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Verse 8, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will, be not, there will not be enough room to store it. It will prevent pests from devouring your crops. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your fields will not drop their, their fruit before it is ripe. Says the Lord Almighty. And all the nations will be will call you blessed. For yours will be delightful land. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. This is the Lord, this is the word of the Lord. Praise God. Let's please join me in the word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you once again for giving us another day to live, another evening to learn more about you, about your ways, about your will for us. Thank you for gathering all of us, both physically and online, Lord God. Thank you for repairing, fixing the, one, the Wi-Fi earlier. I ask, Lord God, once again for your guidance. Please guide us by your Holy Spirit. Teach us through your word. Please open the eyes of the hearts of your people tonight, Lord God. Please humble us. Humble our hearts, Lord God, in order for us to learn and accept whatever it is that you want us to learn. Use me once again as your vessel, Lord God, to deliver your message to your people. And let them, Lord God, as they hear my voice, let them hear you in their hearts. All these things we ask in your Son's mighty name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. So, a brief review for the benefit of those who, of you who weren't here last week, or weren't here, here since last year. Um, uh, let's see, is this working now? I still, this is the second part.
heart of the matter part two. So we're going to review a couple things from last week. Number one is the biblical principle of what we read again tonight and some last week. That in the Bible, it teaches us that there are two ways to give to the Lord and God wants us to give to Him. One is tithing and the other one is offering. And last week, uh, we discussed the objections. Um, some people said that tithing is an Old Testament command. It is no longer required in the New Testament. And some people say that this is a personal relationship, that the pastor has no right to be involved in that whatsoever. And we discussed that. And here's the defense. Why is there a delay? There you go. Tithing. Uh, is not an Old Testament. We saw that it was 400. And this this event with Melchizedek, the king of Salem, <laughs> was 430 years before the law came. So we know that Abraham Abram gave a tenth, and then this is a quote from John Corson. Um, maybe you'll just do it, John John, because I don't think it's responding. Can you go to the next slide, please? Uh, when did when did the law come during Moses' time? Correct. So Abram, even before becoming Abraham, practiced tithing to Melchizedek, the representation of Jesus. And here's a commentary from John Corson. People say I don't believe in tithing because it's part of the law. No, Abraham was on the scene well before the law was given, and yet he intuitively knew that the tithe of all that he had that day belonged to Melchizedek. Tithing precedes the law. It is talked about in the law and was in, in effect after the law as seen by Jesus, by Jesus' word when he said in Matthew 23, 23, please go to the next verse. Yes, woe upon you Pharisees and you other religious, religious leaders, hypocrites, for you tithe down to the last mint leaf in your garden, but ignore the important things, justice, justice and mercy and faith. Yes, you should tithe but you shouldn't leave the more important things undone. So, we did concur, we did conclude that uh, the tithing isn't an Old Testament command, and it was before the Old Testament, it is in the law, and Jesus confirmed it in the New Testament. Amen? And then, that it's not, yes, your obedience is your personal relationship with the Lord, but being belonging to a church, a pastor, a pastor's responsibility, whether we like it or not, is to teach you the word of the Lord, whether you like it or not. We are to teach the truth. Jesus taught about money, giving, possessions, properties, everything. For uh, 2,100 verses, discuss that. So if a pastor does not discuss about money, possessions, and giving, he is not a messenger of the word. Because if Jesus took time, a lot of time, discussing it, it's just right that a pastor discusses it. And then in Proverbs 27, 23 reads, Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. That is why our verse is, not yet, <laughs> our verse, our title is Heart of the Matter. Heart of the matter. Your heart, according to the Bible, is the center of all your motivations, your feelings, and your thoughts. Every aspect of your life has its origins in your heart. Now, the Bible says that one of the key, if not the biggest, influencers of your heart is your money. Jesus says it in this way, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So let's break that down. The logic behind that is, number one, your heart, our heart, drives everything about our lives. Number two, your money, our money, drives our heart probably more than anything else. It's our money. Therefore, third point, your money should be used in such a way that drives your heart towards God. Make sense? If our heart drives everything about our life, now if our money drives our heart, is the main driver of our hearts most of the time, 
shouldn't our money be driven, be used towards our Lord? So how do you start that process? How do you start that process? You give a portion of the first of your money, not the last or the little, back to God before, before you use the money for anything else. Because that's what it says, right? Seek Him first, the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Because the preceding of Matthew 6.33 discusses about everything that a person worries about, food, clothing, and everything else. That's why Matthew 6.33 came about. But seek Him first, Jesus said, first. God always wants our first attention. I know it's a practice that we should develop. We need to think about Him first. But we normally only think about Him last. We only think about Him first when we're already in trouble. That's the sad part. That's why trouble comes. Now in Luke 12.34, it reads, Wherever your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will be also. This is the Living Bible Translation. And in Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything we do flows from it. That's why the title of our message when it comes to money is Heart of the Matter. Now you saw the picture of my dog. Let's go to the picture of the dog now. It's actually a cow. That's a cow. One day a farmer happily reported to his wife that their best cow had given birth to twin calves. A windfall. That's a windfall for anyone in his profession. It's a blessing. He said to his wife, God has been so generous. We must dedicate one of the calves to the Lord. We will raise them up and when the time is right, we will sell one and give the proceeds to the Lord's work. A few months later, the man approached his wife looking sullen. He was sad. I have bad news, honey. The Lord's cow died. But she said, you hadn't even picked. You haven't even chosen which one is the one that will be for the Lord. And he said, oh, yeah, it's the one that died. The Lord's cow is dead. So we can laugh at that, right? Because we typically give God the leftovers. We don't give God our best. At the end of the day, when we remember, oh my gosh, I haven't prayed to God. Lord, <laughs> right? We spent all our energy for everything else to make money, to feed our spouse, our children, to clean our house, to clean our car, to go to the job that God has given us. We recognize, we say it, we were Christians. We know how to recite it. We say it with all our heart, because of God. We look at the mirror, you go, God, God bless me with a beautiful face. God is good. But then we don't use any of it for Him. How? You just look at your life. For our tonight's topic, you look at where your checkbook is. If you look at your checkbook, where have you spent most of your money is, or to, or in, that's where your heart is. Is it shoes? Is it clothing? Is it your properties? Is it your vacation trips? The vacation trips because of COVID knocked you down, right? You're depressed because you can travel. But that's a good reflection. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. So where is your heart, folks? You know how you can find out? Look at where your money is at. Is the Lord's cow dead for you? Is it? Most of the time it is. That's what the, the Christians or the Israelites, next slide please, John John, in Malachi 1, 6-9, they were giving. They were giving the blemished sacrifices. They were violating the command. What command? The command that was in Exodus 23, 19. Let me read it to you. As you reap each of your crops, bring me, God speaking, the choicest sample of the first, again, the word first, day's harvest. It shall be offered to the Lord your God. Why do we love giving God our tirah, yung tirah. 
the cold rice. We don't give him the newly cooked rice. Filipinos, I know most of us, we don't like the leftover rice, correct? In the Philippines, because we have no rice cooker, man, and no microwave, and you come home late, you're eating the cold rice. And you know you're not the happiest camper when you, camper when you hit the, the last part. But we're so good in giving God the leftovers. How would you feel if you were a visitor of, of somebody for dinner and they gave you, oh, here, oh, how about you eat the one that we had last week? It's almost going to go bad. Go ahead, eat it. I think we have a few more hours. Try it. Some of us, we treat God that way. We treat God and what we sacrifice to God, the leftovers. Because we want to be prudent. Right? We have the common sense. We have developed the common sense. We have made priorities. One, two, and three. And God is in five, six, or seven. Maybe, maybe if the finances make it, maybe. Christmas comes along, we overspend. And who gets the hit? God. Birthdays come along. If our children's going to have a birthday, most of the Filipinos know this. Our children will have a birthday. We will borrow money to have a grand celebration for our children. But do we ever borrow money to give it to the Lord? I'm not advising they do that. <laughs> That's a bad example. But still, the, the, the leftovers, the people were bringing to God the leftovers, the bad animals, the ones that they could do without. They were giving their best. Despite the command that God told them, you give me your best. How are you seeking God if, you, if He just takes your leftovers? If you give Him your last hour? Do we really give God? The God that has given us all the strength, we're all going to agree, is it, the, is it God that keeps us healthy? Somebody said, answer me. Those are the ones who believes it. Did God give you the strength? The ability, the wisdom to make money, the job that you have or the business that you have. So leftovers is what you're given. <laughs> I guess, right? I guess. I mean, I guess if you think that if, if you did it on your own ability, if it was really all you, then God has no right in it. Correct? I mean, yeah, he saved us for eternity, but God did not give us our jobs. It was us. We went to school for it. He wasn't the one who applied for it. He's not the one who's getting yelled at. He's not the one that's being disrespected by their clients. It's us. So why would God get the first? No, we don't approach it that way. We, didn't, we don't even have that mentality. We have the recognition that this is all, this is all God. Everything that I have, all my strength, the fact that I'm standing up here is, is from God. But comes to money when it comes to our treasure oh this is mine Lord talk to Joe <laughs> not me <laughs> right talk to her she's a nurse <laughs> they make more right is that is that how is that the command how about the young boy that had the five fish and the two loaves of bread when Jesus came to him or the disciples came to take it from him so we could feed the rest of the guys. Did the, did the kid go, wait a minute. Jesus, I don't have enough for me. I don't even have enough for me and your disciples. How about just you and me, Lord? No. What did the young boy do? Now forever up to now, we, we read it. And we respect him. You know, that's one guy that I want to find when I go to heaven. I go, where's that boy? And I ever, I, I'm wondering if he ever wondered how in the world did that happen? Did he give his all, folks? Yes, he gave his all. Everything he had, he gave it to the Lord. What did God do? Miracles. He fed most of the, a lot of people. And what do we hold? That's the same thing. When we withhold what we can give to the Lord, or what we're supposed to give to the Lord, we withhold the work that God is supposed to do and can do through us. And we take ourselves away from that privilege. It's you. It's you that's missing out from the privilege that God has given you. God can speak to someone and anyone else that He wants. And if that person will obey God's will, 
they will become a part and they will have that privilege to become a part of the work. So you, my brother and my sister, that has been holding your treasures, when it comes to God, you haven't been, you haven't been part of the work. And in this church, we say to know Christ, to become like Him. How are we becoming like Him if you're not a giver of your treasure? Why? Why are you saying that, Joe? Well, let, let's look at God. For God so loved the world that He, say it, He gave, He gave, He gave. God's a giver. So are we supposed to be just takers? No, we're supposed to be givers. If we're going to be like Christ, we're going to have to be giving. No, but we just like, we just like to accept gifts. We just like to take it. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your blessing. I hope that uh, everybody else will give to your work. I'll pray for them. But the giving part, leave it up to them, Lord. They make more money than me. This is my money, Lord. I bled for it. I. This is my sweat, my blood and sweat on this one. So it's a sin. It's a sin when we do not do what God has told us. Because why? Because we are robbing Him. The robbing part, if you really look at the translation, it's like being held up. In the, the term now, or my term during my time, the slang is jacked. You're jacked, man. I got jacked at 7-Eleven. That is what we're doing. We're stealing from God. What's the concept of stealing? The, the, the legal definition of stealing, let me look at my notes here, it's the same as plunder. This word robbing God is the same as plundering Him. Now, plunder is the worst case of stealing. The mortal way of stealing. Now, in the Philippines, if you're a politician and you were accused and convicted of plunder, you will go to jail, even if you're the president. It happened in the Philippines. Until you get a presidential pardon and you can run for a mayor. And you won, and he won, he won. Despite the fact that he was convicted of plunder, he still became a mayor. But that's beside the point. Imagine robbing God. One of the commands in the Ten, Ten Commandments is do not steal. Do not steal. Stealing is taking something that's not yours without the intention of returning it. Now, if I borrowed something from you, I just forgot it. Okay, I didn't steal it. Remind me. But... That's what stealing is. You took someone's property and you had no intention of returning it. That's stealing. The other form of stealing and definition of stealing is they, someone has, ex, there's a certain expectation of you or from you and you do not do it. That's also stealing. I don't know how your work ethic is, but that's what you're doing when you're at work and you're not doing your work. And all you're doing is playing Pokemon. <laughs> or watching YouTube videos. Or going on your Facebook. Right? For those of the students here, the students here, when, you're, when your parents send you to school, what's their expectations? You study. So you're stealing from your parents when you're not studying. I stole a lot from my parents <laughs> when it comes to that. That's what stealing is. Why is it stealing? Because it's all God's. Do we agree? We said it earlier. All the blessings that we have is God's. Amen? So when we're not giving to Him what is rightfully His, we're stealing from Him. That's a sin. So church... If you haven't been doing it, you've been sinning against God. If you don't realize it, I hope now it's clear. If you haven't been giving to God your tithe, you have been stealing from God. You have been stealing from God. There's really no other way for me to put it. I love you. I do. I really do. I care about you. That's why I'm, 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 I'm risking our relationship, you liking me, from me saying this truth. And then, and then there's the thing there when God said He does not change. I, your God, do not change. So when grace came in, did He really change? Like, oh, you know, they don't have to give to me anymore because it's grace. Can you really make biblical sense of that? 
God says he doesn't change. Now, why 10? Why 10%? Why 10%? Because tithing means 10%, right? Now, let me, let me show you. Usually, 10 is used, whether it's 10 days, 10 people. 10 is usually because when it's a testing. Here's a list that I came up with. The 10 commandments, correct? 10 commandments. It's a test. It's hard. How many plagues happen? There's a clue there. You can answer. Ten. That's right. That's right. Good job. Good job. How many times was Jacob's salary changed with his uncle Laban? Ten. Ten times. Ten times. Galing. All right. Somebody's paying attention. How many days did Daniel fast? Ten days. Ten days. How many virgins when Jesus gave this parable? Be faithful in waiting. Just have to read it. You gotta pay attention. And then, how many disciples? Twelve. That's right. That's right. Right. <laughs> right. Good job, guys. You guys are all like me, sarcastic. <laughs> ten. That's why ten percent. That's why it's tight. It's just, it's trying. But you know what? Honestly. That's just the base. Because grace, we discussed it last, last week, grace is harder. Ten is the base. It's the flooring. You shouldn't go less than that. That's where you start. And then as God blesses you, as your heart improves, as your love for Him improves and grows, hopefully it goes up. Because as you love God, I mean, with your wives, with your spouse, with your children, did your love get better throughout the years? Somebody say yes. Yes, right? So our <laughs> no, it, it grew, right? The more the more time you spend with them, the more time, the more sacrifice, the more the more trials you guys go through, the more intimate you guys became, right? So the love grew, the sacrifice grew. The, the work grew. Every, everything just started adding up. There's many more where, where Jesus used the ten. And God um, showed us the ten lepers. The ten talents. The ten minus. And did you know that Jesus said ten I am's in the gospel of John? So ten. Ten is significant. So tithing. Abram started it. Jesus confirmed it, and we are to follow it. Where? The question of where. Now, where? What? Why? Where? Who is you? <laughs> the where part. The where. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. So here, the directional where the storehouse if this is where you are being blessed if this is where if this is your church this is where you bring your tithe if this is not where you go to church and this is not where you are blessed this is not where you give your tithe you give it to your church to where you're blessed simple enough right why? Because if this is where you be blessed and you're not giving here, sooner or later we will close our doors. <laughs> because honestly, there's many things that's happening behind the scenes. And some of the members here, I still have to see you sit down in our business meeting. And you don't really know where the expenses go and how much things are. Because you just like to take. I'll come back next Sunday. I get the message. Everybody else is giving. Why would I give? They don't need my money. They don't need my $10. Storehouse. That is where you give it. This is where you disperse it. If this is your church. You give it to your church. Now why? Because Jesus, God said so. It's a command. And then here, he says this. Test me in this. Remember, God, Jesus said in his temptation in the, de in the desert, 
He said, he answered Satan, you shall not test the Lord your God. When Satan dared him to jump off the cliff. But here, this is the one thing, the only thing, that our God told us to test him. Now, if Jeff Bezos was your friend, right? And then he says, Joe or Mike, I want you to give me $2,000 and I guarantee you it will grow in a year. I'm sure Mike will do it, right? Right, Mike Bailey will do it. And then I will say, Mike, if you don't have it, here's another, here's another thousand. Kick me back at 20. <laughs> because we will do it. Because we know that Bezos is capable of it. Do we agree? When we have a friend and a friend approaches us that we know has financial ability that will give us the return of our investment and guarantees it, I'm telling you, you will do it. Because he's powerful in that manner. Now, of course, when it's God, we don't believe him. Right? Well, God, we can't see, Joe. God didn't speak to me. He spoke to you, and I don't believe what you're saying. No. God says, test me on this, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. When was the first time that the floodgates of heaven was open? No, Noah's time, remember? That was water. People died. Is God capable to bless you? I think so. I think so. I believe it. I, I'm a living testament of it. Many years ago, I shared it that I had, my tithe was $40. My closing commission check during the short sale era, if you guys know real estate, you know when you say short sale, it's a nightmare. I closed this short sale deal for a year and a half. The sales price was $45,000. My commission check was $650. A year and a half of work. I will be on the phone from 7 o'clock in the morning to get on the phone with the people in New York. One and a half years later, they decided to close it. I got $650. I have to give my cut to Ian, and I was left with $450. Ian's my brother-in-law. Tithe was $45. My rent, folks, was $800. My only check was that check. So I was already short. But my tithe, I knew God was saying, give me my tithe, your tithe. My gas at that time, and it'll be again this time, was $4.50 per gallon. My full tank will be $60, and I need to go somewhere. So you're just doing the math here. Common sense is telling you, don't give it. The church will survive. <laughs> they won't even know you didn't give it. But I let go of it. Now, did God open the floodgates of heaven for me that day? No. <laughs> I felt every single hurt of not having enough finances, finances during that time. I suffered for many years because of my bad decision and my investments before. But many years later, God has blessed me tremendously because of my, I credit this to him, my obedience to him, and that obedience comes with my tithing. Now, I don't want this tithing to be a magical spell for you so that you will give so that you will become rich, right? Because I'm not rich. And that's not what we're saying here. This is not prosperity gospel. What we're saying here is God is faithful. And if God says, test me on this and see if I do not open the floodgates of heaven for you, you can put it to the bank. Because you know what? Blessing is just not finances. Yes. How many people uh, do you know that have a lot of money but are not happy? How many people do we know that were so rich but they could not buy their health back? 
How many rich people do you know that their kids have gone astray and they will do anything to a point they'll give everything they have so that they can just have their children back to live a, 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 a righteous life? Many, many, many folks. So if you have been blessed with health, with your relationships, and you have enough, everything that you need, you are blessed. And God has blessed you tremendously. And if you have been giving faithfully to God, you know that God is true on this promise. Amen? Amen. Those are the faithful ones that said amen. Right? And good for you. Praise God that you know it. How about the next one? In 2 Corinthians 9, 10 to 11. We all know 2 Corinthians 9, 7. For God loves a cheerful giver. Everybody brushes through this one. For God who gives seed to the farmer to plant and later on good crops to harvest and eat will give you more and more seed to plant and will make it grow so that you can give away more and more from your harvest. Isn't it God that gives you the ability to continue to work and work and be promoted and get your business flourishing? Isn't it Him? Yes, God will give you much more so that you can give away much. God doesn't bless us so that we can hoard it. Somebody say amen. Yes, but we have the tendency to hoard blessings. Oh, I want to keep that. That's such a great blessing. I don't want to say anything, though. Share the gospel. That's so true, but I, I hope Mikey does it. Oh, my gosh, I'm so blessed. I want to keep it because you never know. God might try me next month. A contradiction and when you take your gifts to those who need them they will break out into thanksgiving and praise to God for your help who gets glorified when you're giving God who gets who gets glorified when you're generous God if you're being glorified you're doing it wrong we just say that if you post it on Facebook you're doing it wrong because what did Jesus say don't let your right hand let know what your left hand is doing when you're advertising that's when you post on Facebook <laughs> that's me that's me now, now when you're giving you're not supposed to you're not supposed to boast about it let God be the one to praise you amen so two good things happen as a result of your gifts those in need are helped and they overflow with thanks to God when you give your tithes to the church, the church is able to do the work that the church is called to do. Amen? There are a lot of churches that have been crippled and stopped. Their work has been negated because of people not giving their tithes to the church. I was so burdened. I don't know if it was last year or two years ago when we actually considered cutting missions. And we actually considered cutting missions because we as a church weren't giving faithfully. I'm so glad we changed our minds the next business meeting because that's not the way to go. In this church, to know Christ, to become like Him, to make Him known. How are we making Him known if we're going to cut missions? Did you know if the missions, because of your giving, happen, you get the blessing too? And you want to stop it? But if you're giving, you're giving. You're part of it. We're a part of it. The churches that we started, when we were helping in the Philippines, the missionaries in Jordan, whenever the gospel shared by those people, we're a part of it. Amen? Amen. And God is glorified. Because those reports come back and say, Praise God. Thank you for your giving, Ephesia. Thank you for your faithfulness to us for these many years. 2 Corinthians 9 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Can you all finish the last one? Ready? Go. I don't know about you, but if I truly believe 
that everything that I receive is from God, that everything that I ha have is from God. And I know He has always been faithful to me. My business alone has flourished tremendously, and I work less. Did you guys know? I want to tell you this. This is not bragging. I think I still need, I have time. Before I took the calling of being the pastor of this church, I was in real estate, and all I really cared about was closing deals because that's my calling at that time, I feel like. The year before I said yes to the calling, before God called me, God provided for me. On a year-to-year -year basis, I would average on a 24 closings, on 24 units, 24 houses. Two a month is my average. But my first year as, an, as a pastor, it dropped. And that, it has never been 24 ever since. My 2019, 2019 production was nine properties closings. But ask me if I was ever in want. No. God has always provided for me. Because you know why? He's provided for the year before. He's provided investments that I could sell. And I have never been in want. That's how faithful God is. You guys know John D. Rockefeller? No? Google him. <laughs> the young kids. This is his quote. He said, I never would have been able to type the first million dollars. My, my hair is going up. I never would have been able to type my first million dollars I ever made if I had not typed my first salary, which is $150 per week. So if you think you're not going to tithe until you make a million dollars. Or you're not going to give until you buy the church a building. Start with a dollar fifty. Start with your 10%. I get a lot of that. Pastor, I want to buy the church a building. <laughs> More than one. Pastor, pray for my lotto ticket. So that if I win... I will promise you, I promise you, I will buy the church a building. Just don't talk about tithing so much. <laughs> how can you be, how can you give a million dollars if you can't give 10 bucks? How can you give $10 if you can't give a dollar? Oh, but we want that million dollars from the Lord. We want blessings from God. We want God to bless us tremendously. We want success for our lives. We want God to bless us. We want God to keep us healthy. We want God to keep us wealthy. And we want to keep everything that God gives us. Why? Because if you tithe, if you're not tithing, this is what's happening. The opposite of this statement is happening. When you're not tithing, the enemy, the devourer of your crops, is allowed by the Lord to make you spend the money you were supposed to give God anyway. Sometimes it's more. A brother, a brother shared his testimony to me. He goes, yeah, this is true. He said, I knew I was supposed to give my tithe, but when I didn't give it, I end up, something at my house ended up breaking, and I ended up spending more than my tithe was supposed to be. No, don't give out of fear. Give out of love. Give out of your relationship with God. And then see, see the promise here. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe. God will basically protect everything and make your pocket no holes. Remember in Habakkuk, in Habakkuk there's a verse there. Because you haven't been giving to me, your pocket has holes. The more you want to hoard God's blessing, the more it goes away. Like, what? Lord, what is it? Why am I losing money? Because you're not giving to God. Because the enemy, the enemy wants you. You're always in want, you know? You're always going to be in want. And you're not going to be happy. There's always going to be a latest car. 
to buy they bought the brand new 2021 guess what next year that's luma already that's gonna be old right you bought the newest iphone well two months from now it won't be they're always gonna be in want and god will not you know why the other thing too is once you end up being giving you giving everything to god you're recognizing that everything you have is from him that it's just right that you give it to him guess what he'll give you satisfaction contentment contentment that's what paul said he knows what it is to have much and he knows what it is to have little but praise god that he can do all things through christ who strengthens him talking about contentment paul was content you know why you're not content because you think your money will give you that contentment and guess what it's not happening when you hoard blessings you stop God to bless you. Proverbs 3, 1-6. This is the Living Bible Translation. My son, never forget the things I've taught you. If you want a long and satisfying life, closely follow my instructions. Never tire of loyalty and kindness. Hold these virtues tightly. Write them deep within your heart. The title of our message is Heart of the Matter. If you want favor with both God and man and a reputation for good judgment and common sense, then trust the Lord completely. Don't ever trust yourself. In everything you do, put God first and He will direct you and crown your efforts with success. The one test of you giving your tithes to the Lord even when you think you can't afford it, is the question, do you trust Him? Do you trust Him? This is, this, that's, that's the testing. If you don't trust God, you won't give to God. You can say you love Him, sure. But talk is cheap. Love is always tested. And the test is normally something that we don't like to do. So do you trust God? Do you if you know God's principles, you will. If you know God's principles, you will end up trusting Him. There's no doubting Him. The problem is most of us, we don't know His principles. We could care less. We just want to take, take, take. That when we take, 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 and we don't give, 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 we don't learn, learn, learn. This is from Augustine. He said, where your pleasure is, there is your treasure. Where your treasure is, there is your heart. Where your heart is, there is your happiness. Can we mirror that to 2 Corinthians 9-7? Each of you should give what you have decided in, the, in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So are you happy? Are you happy? Your heart is happy when you give to the Lord? Or you haven't been giving to the Lord. That's why you're not happy. That's why you're not happily giving to God. That's the whole concept of 2 Corinthians 9 7. If you are not happy to give Him, you're missing your blessing. We have to be excited, just like the Macedonians, right? They were struggling. They were struggling. Financially, they were struggling. To a point, Paul said, you don't need to be a part of this mission trip. They said, no, please, give us this privilege to share in your work. In their poverty, they gave. Why? Because they knew that the work that they're giving is for God. Not to Paul, not to men. It was for God. They wanted to become a part, to be part of God's work. I don't think you're seeing it that way. If you're not giving, you're not seeing it that way. You're not seeing a lot of things when you're not giving. All, the only thing that you're seeing is, I want to keep it here. And then your tithe, when you decide to give it in different places and not at your storehouse, there's, you have to show me in the Bible where, where that is. Because it's unbiblical. Because when God said, give your tithe to the storehouse, 
so there will be food in my house. Because that's the work. That's where you belong. That's where you give. The offerings is on top of it. In addition to, not on top of it, in addition to what you're supposed to be giving. Now, we can conclude with this. The heart of the matter, folks, and we said it last week, that God is after our hearts. God will never take second. He's a jealous God. Do we agree? There's a saying from my friend. He posted it. My, my friend's married. And he said, never choose a girlfriend where they will never respect your wife. Never choose a girlfriend who will never respect your wife. How do we treat God? Is God our number one in our lives? Is that showing in our checkbooks? Does that reflect in our pockets too? Or God takes secondary in that particular area. Where God says where your treasure is, there where your heart will be also. I pray. I pray that your relationship with the Lord will improve as you let go of your treasure over to Him. Amen? Amen. Let's please join me in a word of prayer. Father, we thank You. We thank You for Your message, Lord God. We thank You for um, Your truth that You have spoken to all of us. I pray that our hearts will receive it. I pray that our hearts will be, in our lives and our attitude, will be open to your change as, as how you want us to change for your glory, not ours. I pray, Father God, for our disobedience, Lord. We ask for forgiveness. Forgive us, Lord God, for the times that we have hoarded your blessing and have not obeyed your command to give you our first. Father, help us. Help us to be obedient. I know that you have given us our free will. And I pray, Lord God, that our free will will be used to freely obey you. Not reluctantly, but with all our, our hearts. Father, guide us and bless us. Bless your givers, Lord God, in this church. Bless those who have time and time again given sacrificially, Lord God. Despite their challenges in their lives, I pray for blessings for them. For the givers, Lord God, who are struggling, I pray that you are being tested, Lord God. You said, test me on this. We pray, we call for your faithfulness, Lord God. Please bless them. Please be true to your word. And we know that you are. We're just asking, Lord God, for their help. Answer their prayers. Answer their needs. And I pray for those, Lord God, my brothers and my sisters, that still need to improve in this, in this area. I pray, Lord, that you just continue to speak to them. Continue to just open the eyes of their hearts. And I pray that they will continue to just realize their error and help them, Lord God, to be in the right path. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's all rise for the closing hymn.